feel like we haven't had anything yet that's just real, you know. Comedy, yeah. comedy gold. Yeah, I, I don't know. You could just like chew some more with your mouth open on, on over the air, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to just enjoy this cookie that you you gave me. It's it's two slabs of cookie. I mean, people think of a cookie as this thing that fits in the palm of one's hand, whereas this is like. I don't know. It's like if you look at the rock of Gibraltar and you're like, hey, there's some gravel over there. This thing is, I mean, this is a girthy just chunk yeah, I mean, but, but with I, chocolate chunks in it. But I already had a cookie. And then my wife says to you, I don't think he has a cookie, but you knew I had a cookie. So you brought me two cookies and now you're chastising no, I, no, me I brought you one for cookie. eating the cookies. I brought you one cookie. Yeah, but you knew that in the end I would be eating two cookies and now you're chastising me for it. I was it. trying to help you. I fig- I thought you would appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Well, I just, good. I just don't appreciate the chastisement. Well, you should act more thankful, which actually that was my dad's sermon title. Was it? Yeah. Act more thankful. It was something about thankfulness. Yeah. The service. Service and thankfulness. Mr. Adams, Justin didn't listen to your sermon. <laughs> I did listen to it. It was about being a servant. Who's thankful? I am. I'm thankful that my dad came. I wasn't asking and- you. Oh, well, that didn't seem rhetorical. No, I'm saying like a servant who is also thankful, a thankful servant. Is that what you're saying? Yes, but we should be thankful for servants. I mean, I'm thankful. Are you thankful? I don't have any servants. Yet. <laughs> I have children. Does Same thing. I, I believe so. I don't think you can say that anymore. Child labor laws and They're all like, that. What did, you, what did you just have kids so they can do all your work? Yes. Welcome to Deutero Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. See, I'm trying to keep it more lively each time. Like, you listen to old episodes, and there's sometimes where it's, like, a really good, strong intro, and other times it just sounds too routine, but we can't let it get routine. Well, I feel like there are many times in past episodes when there was not espresso consumed yeah. prior to the introduction. I think for now on, you should say party on, but, like, do your two, like, peace fingers. You mean, like, Richard Nixon? Yeah, or, like, Abraham Lincoln in uh, Bill and Ted X and Glenn Venture. You know, I thought you were on, I, I really thought you were going to say, like, Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how that would be connected. Now, of course, you didn't say that. I didn't say that. You didn't say that, mm-hmm. but... Because I'm thinking, okay, the moments when a president left office. I want to offend Lincoln like I want a hole in the head. So, Mrs. Lincoln, <laughs> aside, aside from that, what, you know, what did you think of the play? Uh, I don't remember the punchline, sorry. Are you that, trying to set me up? No, I mean, it, it is the I just used okay. that. Okay, Mrs. Lincoln, other than that, how, what did you think about the play? Oh, okay, other I get than it. That, yeah, sorry. Okay, you know, it's... You need more people here to laugh. People smarter than me. You think All we right. could get a laugh track? We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to do a podcast here. So yes, this we is are. episode what, Justin? 39. I don't. 
even know if you don't that's, believe me i don't know if that's wrong i don't <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore it's like See, uh, you're, you're the person who really should know this i don't want to i mean I how, not, how numerically oriented am i have i, I have a n- number of other things to worry about i'm looking at the screen as it does stuff i hit play and record like, yeah so i have a lot of responsibilities on apple podcasts it will be 39 do you want to just go you know what okay but i i don't know plus or minus one Fine. Let's just go with that for now on. It's it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's fine. It's thirty nine on there. It's fine. But overall, it's fine. <laughs> but overall, overall, it should be like fifty three plus or minus one. Yeah. All right. So episode thirty nine or fifty three, depending on who's counting. And as always, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most of all, tell a friend. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised because, again, we've been out of the mix for two weeks now, and I got on the dashboard, and there's still people subscribing and downloading, so people must be telling friends, and that's great. Which is awesome. It is. Um, I've definitely I've gotten some feedback at work for some, from some guys who, who uh, are, appreciate what we're doing, so I think that at the end of the day, like that's all we're hoping for, we're hoping that people find this useful, people who enjoy talking about God, talking about Jesus. So... <clears throat> Have we done? Oh, yes. Please also check out our other podcast, the Allensville Church of Christ podcast, where we post weekly sermons, although admittedly we are two weeks behind. I preached today. Justin preached last week, and then his dad preached two weeks ago, and so uh, hopefully I will have all of those up uh, here shortly. All right. Now for the topic. Here it is. So we are going to continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We have four left, and... Man, now you're making me wonder. We're on goodness, right? <laughs> yeah, we should be. Hold on. Let's check. What was the last episode? It's been too long. Yeah, kindness was the last one. Yep, so we're on goodness. So we're on goodness. So, excuse me. So we're going to talk about goodness now. Here is uh, a confession. I've looked at a number of these passages, although as we get further into the fruit of the Spirit, like I ran out of kids. And so that means that like, only a certain number of these got presented on, which means only a certain number of them got a lot of uh, study and conversation downstairs with the kids because the kids are always downstairs. And so... It's a relatively small group. We might be uh, doing some of the thinking like in the moment, and that's fine. I think that there was a lot of thinking in the moment whenever these letters were read to the churches. Certainly. And also, I... I really love the uh, the chosen. I do too. Season two, especially the end of it, was a little bit of a letdown. I I love a lot of things. Are we just saying things that we love right now? No, Justin? we're not just saying things we love. There's a point. So there's. A- I love guitars. <laughs> season two. Are Byron? Do you really love guitars, or are you just looking around the room and saying that you love the things that you see? I I love guitars. Okay, well, I love goat milk. I, I do have that beside me, actually, mm. and I do, in fact, love it. Mm. Anyway, but you know how they, they, the season finale is the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, and they 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 have it as as if Jesus was like preparing it and like workshopping it and treating it like this, like it was an event, right? Instead of just a something that happened, you know, sort of on its own. Like he he's going about his business, and then you know. There's all these people, so he goes up on you know up on a hill where you know where people can see him, and he can see see down and 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 whatnot, and then he he 
extemporaneously slash by the power of the spirit speaks the, the the sermon on the mount like it's it's treated like this heavily prepared thing uh-huh. and and I, I didn't buy that like i think that there's really something to say for being in the word and then because of the growing familiarity that one has with it being able to discuss it intelligently right well <clears throat> and we've talked talked a while back when did we talk about this when we talked about Hmm. I don't remember what the topic was, but I talked about the Havarim, I believe is the, the term. Okay. So, you know, in, in Jewish education, how you were basically kind of assigned a buddy. Oh, And then what yeah. school was, was I present you my ideas and try to defend them, and you tell me you pick them apart. But mm-hmm. it's this place where there's room for, for you to read something and say, well, maybe this means this. You're like, no, man, that's not what that means. That's silly, <laughs> you know? Oh, really? Is it silly or is it that you're just jealous because you didn't think, you know, whatever. So, (laughs) but again, there is a little bit of that in the moment because, you know, I've said this before, um, the idea of, you know, it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and and all that. And just this idea of that, I think it's important that if you're going to get up and uh, speak to other people about the word of God, that you understand kind of the responsibility that goes along with that because mm-hmm. you don't want to lead people astray. But at the same time, uh, I would hope there's also grace going the other way because like, you know, speaking as two people who get up and preach, like we are fallible, mm-hmm. fallible, right? Fallible. Uh, infallible is the opposite, right? Right. And so, uh, uninfallible, right? <laughs> yes. Uninfallible. So <laughs> he said that was a straight face too. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to get things wrong, but you know, I think if it comes from a place of good intentions, I mean, I, you know, whatever the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So wait, that doesn't work. Anywho, we're talking about goodness people. Also, the Bible doesn't say that. Right. That, that I'm aware of that the, the road, right. It's second it's, hesitations, isn't it? Right. Or, or is it in uh Jesus helps those who help themselves. The road is paved with good intentions. That's second hesitation. Second hesitations. Yeah. Yeah. Three Corinthians. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're talking about goodness. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Because you're already paging through. All right. So goodness. Oh, you know what I wanted to do here? All right. What do you so do here? we're talking about goodness. And as always, uh, for those of you keeping score at home, we are working our way through the fruit of the spirit. The way this, where this came from is we assigned each of the students in the teen class, one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit, and then they had to do a five to 10 minute talk on it. And so we have also simultaneously been working our way through. And it so, went really well. And it went pretty well, yeah. And so now we're at goodness. And so uh, we're working off of a table in my Bible that has them all listed, lists a definition, and then lists them as an, uh, has a number of scriptures where they're used as an attribute of God and then where they're used as an attribute of Christians. So as has been the tradition, the tendency, we're going to start off by discussing the definition. But so what... What do you think about, let me read this definition, tell me what you think about it, and then I also wanted to uh, rehash what I talked about before about the root. So it says here, goodness, showing generosity to others. Showing generosity to others. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I don't like it. Yeah, it seems like it's a... It's a branch on the tree, but it's not the thing itself. Right. Like, it's not not that, or it's not like that that isn't part of it. Right. Yeah. It, it, that would be included. Generosity to others would be included mm-hmm. 
in goodness, but it's not the, the thing itself. Right. So I want to go to uh, your website that you talked about. What is it? Oh, goodness. This computer. I want to throw it. <clears throat> Edom Online? Yeah, yeah. Etymology Online. Highly recommend it. Um, I think I had it open. And I've also got um, an interlinear pulled up. Oh, do you? <clears throat> yeah, with uh, just some, some uh, Bible dictionary okay, so what type does, stuff pulled up also. What does the interlinear say? Okay, so in Greek, it's agathosune. And uh, let's see. It's intrinsic, properly speaking, intrinsic goodness, especially as a unique quality or condition. Uh, as relating to believers, the goodness comes from God and shows itself in spiritual moral excellence. Hmm. It occurs only four times in the New Testament and is apparently not strictly a biblical term. It does not seem to appear at all in secular Greek. So that's that, that's that's really interesting. Uh, so it comes from agathos, which again means good. And thanks a lot. It says of uncertain origin. So I I would be interested in seeing what etymology online okay so has to say about it because I think that so when we go from um, agathosune if that's how you say it in the Greek, to the word that we have, I mean, so that's the word that we have translated as goodness. Uh-huh. So on the one hand, we have the etymology of agathosune, but on the other hand, we have the etymology of goodness. Right. So it's, you know, there would be a, a, a reason why that was the word picked out for this word that we have in Greek. Right. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of feeling vindicated because what I said is my instinct is that goodness, the word good is probably rooted in God. Yeah says right here, Old English, uh, I guess, uh, goodness, so G-O-D-N-E-S, goodness, virtue, kindliness, see good, plus ness, an explanation from 1610 is a term of emphasis, first recorded in for goodness sake, i.e., as you trust in the divine goodness, i.e., God. So it seems I was not far off in this being rooted, the, the word goodness being rooted in God, Hold on, there's stuff more here. Mm-mm-mm. Something about Sanskrit. <laughs> oh, hey, that, that would be really, really interesting because if it's talking about Sanskrit, then we're getting down to like Proto-Indo-European. Right. Uh, so good, Old English, good, G-O, long O-D, excellent, fine, valuable, desirable, favorable, beneficial, full, entire, complete of abstraction, actions, etc., Beneficial, effective, pious of persons or souls, righteous, pious, virtuous, probably originally having the right or desirable quality from Proto-Germanic, Goda, fitting, suitable, sources also. Okay, fitting or suitable. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that that's better than generosity to others. Okay. I think that that's, that's broader. Sense of kind, benevolent. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, so, so what do you think about this idea then? Like of it, uh, the idea of it being rooted in God. So, uh, and then, I, I mean, this is kind of what we, the kids and I discussed in class. So like, if that is rooted in God, Godness, mm-hmm. like, I think that's interesting. Right. So if, if you, so that can be vague on the one hand. So then if you connect it with the idea of that, which is fitting mm-hmm. or what was the other word that, that went along with fitting? Uh, where was that one? <clears throat> Hold on. 
Excellent, fine, valuable, desirable, favorable, beneficial, full, entire, complete, beneficial, effective, righteous, pious, righteous, pious, virtuous, probably having the right or desirable quality, fitting, suitable. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's, I think that's really key. So, and this goes back to what, what I preached about last week when it comes to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Practically speaking, why is that so essential mm-hmm. to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Well, because he's the one, God is the one who really does know what things are fitting and suitable yeah. and, and, and when. Like he's, he's the one who has all of, who has sufficient understanding, sufficient wisdom, mm-hmm. which when I say wisdom, I mean like the, the ability to, to see and discern mm-hmm. accurately and, and, and yeah, sufficiently and super sufficiently that, that ultimately comes from God. And even I, I think that if we, if we just have that recognition that my understanding of that which is fitting, however accurate it might be, it's always going to be limited, and I always need God's help yeah. to know those things. Well, I mean, so much of this pertains to, and I, again, we discussed this when we were talking about goodness, but then the kids and I are also, to just, they wanted to talk about relationships. And so I asked them, you know, let's name some things that you view as being elements of an appropriate relationship. And so one of the first things that came up was it being God-centered. And I think the reason that's appropriate is the same reason that what we're talking about like matters because I mean, we're living in an age where people are, are, are suggesting that what is right and what is wrong is in the eye of the beholder is subjective is their truth Mm -hmm. versus we're saying what is, or sorry, or what is good is in within the eye of the beholder where we're saying, no, what is good is what is God. Mm -hmm. What God has ordained is good is what is good. Right. And so, when it comes to relationships, particularly the most important relationships in your life, like your marriage, uh, like that's got to be the starting point because that's your that's your your standard for everything, you know, mm-hmm. and hey. and it's what you can always point to because when your spouse is failing, they're not your standard. Jesus is your standard. When your parents are failing you, they're not your standard. I mean, even though they should be, right? Jesus is your standard. Hey, here's some more from from Strong's <clears throat> exhaustive concordance. Um, so strong is saying that, um, that this Greek word agathos or, um, agathosune, well, I, I guess, yeah, I'm specifically on agathos, A-G-A-T-H-O-S in English, for those of you keeping score at home. Um, the way that it's used in the scriptures, um, five ways of good constitution or nature, useful or salutary. Good, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy, mm-hmm. excellent, distinguished, upright, honorable, mm. and so I, I think that so all of those all of those things all those attributes or, or adjectives, if we don't recognize God as being the the ultimate example of all of those things, yeah, then we're not aiming high enough, right? And when we're not aiming high enough, it's it's like th- th- then when that when that sense of so everybody has a sense of what is good, but if if we haven't aimed high enough for it, as that I guess works its way down, as as that concept trickles down into our actual behavior, mm-hmm. it's going to be lacking. Yeah, 
if that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so let's look at our first scripture. I've got Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9. It says 25 and 35. So I don't know why it's not 25 through 35. Maybe we'll read all of it. Nehemiah 9, 25. Just 25? 25 and 35. <clears throat> okay. But that's kind of what I was saying. I don't know why it's not 25 yeah, through 35. Yeah, yeah. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. And then 35. Mm -hmm. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. All right, so I wonder where this, if this may not be where some of the idea of generosity comes from. Um, but when, when we were studying this in class, one of my first questions uh, was what it, what it tends to be when we kind of cherry pick a verse like this and we see pronouns is, who's they? So who do you think they is? The Israelites. The Israelites, okay. And so, uh, where, where, where was it again? Let me read, sorry. 25 and 35. Yep. All right, where was it? Okay. They captured the fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of the houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees. Okay, so like where is this place? Sounds like the promised land. Yeah, it sounds like the promised land. Land so, flowing with milk and honey. And and you, you'll hear this wording elsewhere because I want to say I heard it in uh, like Joshua and then First and Second Samuel. Like it's almost like it was a reminder like you – you, you've inherited land with wells you didn't dig and vineyards you didn't plant and houses you didn't build. Man, good luck digging your own well. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's a reason that people just, like, that's their job. Man, like, that's that's not, that's no light task. Mm -mm. No, sir. Have you and, ever but, seen... And you have, you, you have to have water. And we are so, we are so disconnected from that. But I'll tell you what, uh, the night before... What was it? The night before we were going to go to Florida, maybe, mm -hmm. or the night before I was going to camp or something, our water went out. Yeah. And I thought, man, did I forget to pay the bill? Which the bill was probably 30 bucks, but you know, it happened once, mm -hmm. you know, I forgot to pay it Yeah, and the water got turned off and we got it turned back on that same day and it was no big deal, but no, I had paid it. It was after hours, so I tried calling the, the emergency the, line or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and couldn't get anybody. And thankfully, within about an hour, it came back on. But we were going to leave the next day, and we, we have animals. Yeah. And, and, and so I had that sense of I'm totally dependent on other people for water. Yeah. And that really, again, made me wish that I had a pond or a lake or a well. Mm -hmm. Of course, I used to have a river, but that also didn't always work out. Right. Well, well, I mean, but yeah, so like, so imagine you've been wandering the desert for 40 years and now you're going to go conquer this land. And rather than going in and having to like start from scratch, you're getting to just occupy homes that are already built and vineyards that are already planted and wells that are already dug. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really significant. So how is this a manifestation of God's goodness? then 
Well, it was part of God's plan. And so if it's part of God's plan to take his people into this place, mm-hmm. we would expect for a good God to bring his people into a good place. Right. I mean, for him to, it's like Jesus said, um, the father gives good gifts mm-hmm. or like human fathers give good gifts. Like if, if your son asks you for a, sn- a snake, I mean, for, for a, for a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a snake mm-hmm. or a, and or if he asks you for, and then something else, you wouldn't give him a rock, whatever that was. Yeah. And so if we, though evil, know how to good, give good gifts to our children, how much more so does that apply to our Father in Heaven? So I think that it's really appropriate that we have the word goodness because it, it really is this way of talking, talk, really bringing God into conversation, I guess you could say, because if we say goodness, we're talking about an embodiment or a particular example of something that has something to do with the highest that we can imagine. Yeah, but aren't we also just talking about physical stuff? Sure, but physical stuff can be good too because after all, he created everything. Well, that's what I guess that was kind of the point I'm driving okay. at. Like, it's it may not be the extent of God's goodness. Like, it's not just physical stuff. I mean, certainly there are intangible, non-concrete things that are God's goodness, but it seems like in this example we're seeing like literal like elements of survival right like again houses and vineyards and wells and and you know the things that well, you might say all of these things right and and all of these things are also connected to necessities right and 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 you could say that, that these are that these are aspects even of grace because we need these things because we are we are mortal Right. And well, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Right. And in the context there, it's, it's necessities. It's, it's shelter, food, water. Well, exactly. And that's, I mean, I guess that's my point. If, if goodness is an attribute of God, which it is, which it is. And if we make, if we make, uh, our priority seeking his kingdom and not worrying about all quote unquote, all these things, all these things like are, are going to be provided because that would be at least one of the ma- many manifestations of his goodness. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So what's, I see you over there searching away. You got something else you want to talk about? Well, yeah. So we're in, we're in Nehemiah. And so I was wondering a couple of things. One of them was, um, so I know that the, the Hebrew word for, for good, cause that, that comes up in 25 and 35 in that passage we were just reading. Yeah. It's uh, the word tov. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't know if there might be something interesting about that word. Of course, it's a very old word. And then I was thinking about, okay, so it's interesting that we jumped into Nehemiah when it's used very early on because it's, it's what God says about creation. Mm -hmm. That is good. Yeah. He saw the light and that it was good. Yeah. And then at the end of all creation, after um, the creation of woman, he said that it was, um, I think in Hebrew it says, tov v'tov, which means, so it's emphatic. It's saying that it's good and good, or it's it's greatly good, or it's emphatically good, or it's... It's like good, good, like like if you like, like somebody. Right, it's 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 good and good. I mean, it's, it, so it's good, and then it's... it's be, it, it, it's complete in its goodness, let's say. Which, I mean, if you think about that, <clears throat> it's funny, I've, I've re-listened to enough of our podcasts that I start to pick up on the things I say all the time. And one What of are them the things is, you say all the time? If you think about that, 
And so, and the thing about that is, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Every time I say one, I'll let you know. So anyways, if you think about that, I could just keep a tally. <laughs> you could, uh, it's been done. So, <laughs> <laughs> but right. So everything that, everything that is created is good. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Which is interesting because, uh, when you think about like Gnosticism, man, that's, ex- I'm so, gl- okay, go, I'm, I'm going to shut up. You, you, yes. Right. Like the reason that, that they thought that Jesus couldn't have, wait, wait, am I getting this right? Right. Because, yes, because like God couldn't dwell in flesh because flesh is evil. It's like, man, that's quite an assumption, isn't it? Right. But it's like, is it? Cause when I flip back, to, flip, flip, if I, when I scroll back in my Torah to, to <laughs> scroll Gen- back, yeah. <laughs> when I scroll back in my Torah to Genesis, it says that it's good, so... Right, and, and they would probably have some sort of weird, esoteric, alternate explanation that when God said that it was good, he didn't really mean that. Right. And try to make that sound as, as flowery and as impressive. Like, yeah, but you're reading in the Greek. If you read it in the Hebrew, it says this. I don't know. Right. Or the true meaning of... And I guess maybe you could say that we're doing... Except we're, we're trying to not do that. We're trying not to We're do trying that. to see what the actual literal definition is. Yeah. And what the literal etymology is. Rather than some sort of esoteric hidden knowledge thing. It's hardly hidden knowledge if you can pull up either physically or online any Bible reference. Right. And it's right there in the exact same form that it's been in for the last 200 years yeah. of biblical scholarship. So that second verse, 35, I think kind of drives the point home. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying their great good, your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land. So it seems that the kingdom, the spacious and fertile land, were the goodness being referred to. I think that kind of affirms what we're saying here, that goodness can be many things up to and including physical stuff because God saw saw it and it was good yes yeah all right yeah definitely and and i just want to reiterate how opposite that is to the gnostic understanding certainly and this might be a, a whole other episode but you know we, we did a long time ago in uh, an episode on neo-nasties neo-nasties <laughs> and i've been listening to some james Lindsay lately mm-hmm. and I, I know i sent you that podcast yeah um, I don't know if I want to totally recommend that to the the average listener necessarily because his podcasts are so lengthy on the one hand and dense, dense, incredibly, incredibly dense. I think he's just like reading essays yeah. straight into the microphone right. most of the time, but it's it's some really good stuff. But a point that he's making is that Marxism is a form of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. and, and I haven't, because Hegelianism yeah. is uh, hermetic. Which, I mean, that was kind of my point with that, is that when you look at wokeism, or at least the way it's manifesting in the quote-unquote church, uh, right, like it seems like a, a new, just a, like a neo-Gnosticism. Right, and, and, and I had completely agreed with you on that, and I thought it was really insightful. And now, now from Lindsay, what I'm hearing is that that isn't by chance. Yeah. The reason that when woke stuff shows up in the church, oh, yeah. the church starts going in Gnostic directions because it's a, a form of Gnosticism itself to begin with. Well, you know, it occurred to me while I was listening to that podcast too, like the Young Hegelians, when I, I had done my background research on Marx, 
I remember that being a thing that he was a member of this kind of this whatever cult group club social group, <laughs> the young Hegelians. And, but, it, but we tend to think that, uh, these problems started with Marx, but obviously Marx was, was influenced by others and they were influ- influenced by people before them. And yeah. So and of so course, forth. like it goes all the way back to the garden. Yeah. I mean, die, <laughs> you won't die. Yeah. Satan was the first deconstructionist. Yeah. How are you defining die? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did God really say Actually, yeah. Next, all right. So Psalm thirty-one, nineteen. Thirty-one, nineteen. Thirty-one, nineteen. I guess this one will be you, huh? It will. Psalm thirty-one, verse nineteen. We're gonna have the talk during the flipping. So let's see. Psalm thirty-one, nineteen. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Hmm. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. All right. Uh, I'm not recalling what our conversation was about this. 19. I guess, okay, stored up. David deposits his life in the hands of God to share in the covenant benefits that God has stored up for his faithful servants, good things. Oh man, there's a lot of scripture there to reference. Good promises, goodness. Okay, I guess the first thing that jumps out to me. What do you think about this? What is the uh, how how is fearing the Lord like? How do how do good things and fear of the Lord? How do those go together? Okay, well, we would have to dig into what what fear means and from what i remember i don't remember what the hebrew word is there mm-hmm. but i've done a study on that previously and i i don't know i preached a sermon on it i don't know 4 or 5 years ago yeah or something maybe longer and the idea of fear there is trembling okay okay so it's it's not it's not simply so so the word fear there it it doesn't mean uh, afraid in the way that we we think in 2022 yeah of that word and if you, if you think more in terms of like the physical manifestation mm-hmm. where where you have trembling we we know that it could be caused by caused by different things yeah not simply being afraid uh-huh okay so <clears throat> if we if the thought of God causes us to tremble, which we have, um, we've talked about like in Proverbs, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right. So yeah. it's like, okay, so at, at the, at the absolute foundation, like when you think of first things like first principles mm-hmm. and, and you think of God, does it produce a sense of, you might say, awe, you might say like a trembling yeah. or a shudder or something which doesn't mean that you're afraid that he's going to fry you right this second. Yeah. But there's a sense of the enormity of I mean th- think about if if you were if if a I don't know the president were oh, it's hard to make that analogy anymore. <laughs> Who's somebody really famous and good? I don't think those go together. That man they frequently don't go together. That makes them infamous. This guy. <laughs> you're so famous, you're infamous. Well, so so how about this then? Uh, okay, somebody really, really good. Yep. And 
Oh man, let's say that Ronald Reagan wasn't dead anymore. Okay. And and he walked in the door. Like we would probably be a little bit trembly. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean that 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 he's sinless or that we think he's a god, but he would have an enormity of presence. Yeah. And we that that he would he would have that effect on us. Yeah. And honestly, probably if if other presidents that we didn't happen to agree with, I mean if if Bill Clinton walked in, we would actually probably be a little bit trembly even though we know that there's a lot of not great things that the dude was into and we might want to get between him and our wives. Right, right. We would be a, a little trembly. So so enlarge that sense to the creator of the universe. I mean, if Jesus walked in right now, if you if you know that you would be I mean that you would want to fall on your knees. Yeah. And that it would kind of be hard to kind of keep yourself together. Okay, that's that's the fear of the Lord. And so if we have that, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you? I think the only way that we could have that that sense of trembling in his presence because of his absolute surpassing goodness then it's saying that that something really good is going to come from that well is there any of this and and i don't know this might be cliche but again i i once again turn to the idea of of parenthood and the things that it teaches you so uh again the, the idea of you know like fearing your fearing your parents fearing your dad like having that healthy respect or even I've, I've heard a snippet from Jordan Peterson recently where he talks about like a man who is, what does he say? Like a man who's capable of violence, but mm. controls mm-hmm. it. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's a useful person. Yeah. Yeah. And now I said, you know, not, it's not that God is going to fry you this instant, but yeah, there, there does need to be a recognition of his ability to, I mean, not simply judge people, and condemn people, but to, I mean, cause entire nations and empires to certainly to fall. Like I, like in uh, what is it? Psalm is it Psalm eighty four, uh, where it, where it's a, like talks about how he destroys warriors and he I make war to cease. Yeah, and then be still and know that I am God. Well, and, and I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Like on at varying levels, like God is certainly a power to be reckoned with. Like that. Could, and so, so, you know, I guess to a kid, like your dad might seem like that as well. Like this is, this is somebody who, you know, who can contend with the world, let's say, and can yeah, provide goodness, uh, so long as I remain in his favor, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we say goodness, again, going back to this idea that we're talking about godness, in a sense, we're, we're, to, to even say goodness is to say that that we're trying to talk about something that is a little bit beyond us because God is beyond us and yet we know him through the things that he's created that he says are good and what, so what, what, what am I this is so hard to say because it, to say goodness is almost like using a word in its own definition. Right. Well, and, and I guess I started to think of that passage where it's, uh, you know, we'll be recipients of his kindness so long as we continue in his kindness. So I don't want to conflate the two, but certainly there is overlap. Like certainly part of his goodness is... We're talking about his character. Seems like 
seems like kindness, but it also could be his discipline. Right. Because part of his goodness can be his discipline. Yeah, so like that which is in keeping with God's revealed character. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. How abundant are the God things that you have stored up for those who fear you? Yeah, I think that's a a really good way of, of thinking about it. Because if it is quote unquote good, well, of course it has to come from God. And the more that something comes from God, the more good by default that it would be. It's, it's kind of like this. Um, multiple times I've had conversations with uh, middle, middle school students of mine. And, and the way that it will go is something like this. They'll, they'll say, hey, Mr. Adams, have you ever watched, you know, and fill in the blank with whatever yeah. thing it is they're watching. It might be Stranger Things or it. You know, whatever happens to be current. I don't even know if that's current anymore. That's how how out of it I am. Yeah. But I usually will have to say, no, no, I haven't seen that. And then they might say, oh, well, hasn't your daughter ever seen? And then they'll either say the same thing or or a different current show. And I'm like, no. And they're floored. Like, they they can't believe it. What do you... And, you know, and they're not mean about it. You know, it's just, this is how kids are like, what do you mean? You've ne- Why have you never seen that? Yeah. It's like, well, and, and so they're not being that serious. It's kind of a feigned yeah. sense of outrage. Yeah. Let's say. So sometimes I take the opportunity to say something really serious to them. Yeah. But that's something they can understand, like, like this. Um, I remember telling sixth graders last year it's like well you know that that show you know i'm sure it's fun but honestly we just don't have time for it and because here's how i approach parenting Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of things that man has made that are that are good or are okay or that they're they're fine sometimes you know it's fun Mm -hmm. you have video games can be fun and not all of them out there are by their very nature promoting immoral things right but here here's what here's what misty and i are trying to do we're trying to give our little girl more of what god made and less of things that people made Mm -hmm. okay so and that that really is the idea of goodness yeah because if something really is accurately described as good it has to be the idea of god right yeah so to say that to speak of goodness is to speak of the character and the things that that come from the creator himself i'm reluctant to to bring this up due to time but i'll do it anyways what about about the second part that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you i mean I, i guess i think it's interesting that this in the sight of all portion Mm-hmm. I guess what it makes me think of is this idea of how we're to confess God before men and he'll con- sure. and I'll confess you before my God in heaven, right? Yeah. And it's almost like there's a little bit of that there where uh, not only does God take care of you, he lets everybody know, like, these are my folks and I'm taking care of them. Right. And if, Well, does, does that happen? Does that necessarily happen in the present? No. I don't know. What do you, I guess I don't understand what you're saying. Well, what I mean is that, you know. Oh, what, I see what you're saying. Okay. Like, does this, uh, this idea of in the sight of all, like, is that right now? 
Right. I mean, it it, it could be, mm-hmm. but there are probably there have probably been just absolute masses of Christians who were not publicly vindicated. Yeah. And there are others who have been publicly vindicated. Well, and it's also not in the sight of all. It's in the sight of all the all on the wait, hold on. No, that is right. In the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Oh, so it's not just in the sight of those who take refuge. It's in the sight of all. Right. So so the goodness is for those who take refuge. Yeah. But the manifestation of that goodness to those who take refuge does occur yeah. publicly. Right. So that we probably don't have time to go very much into that, but one verse that popped into my head it comes from uh, the, the Messiah. And so it's in one of the uh, Old Testament prophets, I think in Isaiah, um, and all flesh s- shall see it together. The, the glory of the Lord shall appear mm-hmm. and all flesh shall see it hmm. together. Okay. So I, I do believe that a day is coming when all who take refuge in him will be visibly and publicly vindicated. Yeah. Because after all, Je- Jesus has not been publicly vindicated. That's true. Yet. Yeah. I mean, he only appeared to those who knew him, really. Right. Yeah. Um, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then, um, if you if you then be risen with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, which is invisible. Mm-hmm. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But when Christ, who is your life, appears, you know, to everyone, you also will appear with Him in glory. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So there is an invisible aspect of God's goodness. In the present tense, yeah, you might say that oftentimes, or th- there, there are good things that it's not that they're unreal, it's not that they're abstract, but that they exist in an unseen realm. Which I mean, those probably are, are the sources of joy for many of us, right? Right, and yet, yes. Yeah, so it's unseen now, mm-hmm. but there's. The whole thrust of the scriptures is pointing toward and prophesying the coming of the unification of the unseen with yeah, the seen. Right. Okay. And so I think that that's what we're, we're talking about here in Psalms. It's like, well, might God vindicate you in some sort of public sense because you take refuge in him? Absolutely. Yeah. But even if you're one of those blessed ones who experience some sense of that now, there's coming a day when you will experience it in its fullness, and so will everybody else. Like, right. you know, martyrs who were, instead of being publicly vindicated, were publicly crucified. Yeah. Or disemboweled, or beheaded, or, you know, maybe even worse. All right, so we're going to push up to the New Testament here, Mark ten eighteen. Mark 10, verse 18. Oh, is that me? Yeah. That's some turn-in music. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. Let me back up to 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell to his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good 
except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. So without going completely into the story itself, yeah. I mean, this is kind of tricky. I think that people have trouble with this. Yeah. So I don't know, any thought on why Jesus would say, or wh- wh- why Jesus would ask that question, why do you call me good? I mean, it's, it's Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess like he, I mean, he, he's recognizing that there's a hierarchy, if you will, and that ultimately any goodness he possesses is the, the source of that is from the father. Yeah. I mean, again, if we're saying that goodness is godness, uh, man, I, I guess I want to be careful in saying that Jesus is not God because I think Jesus is, you know, sure. Of course he is. Right. But he's not the father. He's the son. Right. So. Maybe this maybe one of the things that this means is that sometimes there are words that sound really, really forgive the expression good. Yeah. That aren't. Such as Well, I'll just ask you. Did Jesus consider equality with God something to be grasped? No. Huh. So if equality with God was not something to be grasped, then how important is equality? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe that's one of those things where if you put first things second, you get neither. Yeah. Maybe somebody out there needs to hear this. I, I don't know. But... I don't know, for those listening to to this particular podcast, I would think that that they would already know that that's kind of a uh, a poisoned apple, let's say. Right. Equality. But maybe somebody out there needs to hear this. Equality is not the most important thing in the world. And there are times when trying to get that ends up destroying all of the things around it that are more important. Yeah. I mean, shoot. And of course, if somebody's not a Christian, it would make sense that a person would have mixed up priorities. But for people in the church, when you start hearing people talk about equality as if it is the universal thing, like it is morality itself. Right. Like, like a situation could only be moral to the extent that there's equality in it. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. No. And we know that because that's not at all the example of Jesus himself. Well, and, and, yeah. And then beyond that, right. I mean, certainly there's leadership within the, within the church, there's el- elders and deacons, but then there's, there is a hierarchy within the family. Like, Children are told to obey their parents, not like children and parents don't obey each other. Right. But of course, if you read neo-Marxists, right. postmodern types, yeah. the family is absolutely to be destroyed. Yeah. And, and because anywhere there's hierarchy, there is oppression. Right. Like they equate hierarchy with oppression. Which man, like, uh, you know, when I, when I see the... Uh, 
Oh, goodness. What's that called? The intersectionality array. Have you seen that before? Oh, yeah. Like the continuum of oppression or whatever. Which, I mean, there is, though. There is an element of ageism on there, right? Because the, I think it's the, the, the old oppressed the young, I think, is on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Until the young oppressed the old. Right. Well, it like, depends on how you define oppression, I guess. And depends on if you identify as old. Right. That was not part of my lived experience. Do you identify as old? I don't. In fact, I'm going to turn 40 this year, but I'm not because I don't identify as 40. And I'm just not going to celebrate. I'm just not going to acknowledge. Because, you know, really, uh, you know, our standard for time, like Greenwich, England, that's the patriarchy. And I'm not going to be colonized by your system of time. I'm going to begin my own measurement of time. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, Absolute best of luck with that. <laughs> was that that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, I just made that up. I mean, shoot, decolonize the clock. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So, stay on topic here. I want to bash wokeism as much as the next guy. <laughs> Let's stay on topic. It, it's topical. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, "No one is good except God alone." Which I mean, again, going back to my maybe just elementary view of this. If goodness is godness, it's basically he's saying like, why are you calling me God? No one is God except God alone. Yeah. 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 And I don't think it would come across quite like that in the Greek. Right. And, and who knows what he was taught. I'm sure he wasn't speaking Greek here. He was probably speaking Aramaic. Yeah. And so I don't know that it would have quite the connotation that it would have with us, but it, it really is, I think a similar, a sufficiently similar idea because even if even if we're in a a a language where um i I don't know let's say the ultimate adjective is not necessarily connected to the ultimate noun Uh i think i'm going to say that again think about that with with god and and goodness we're saying that the ultimate adjective Mm -hmm. is derived from the ultimate noun Uh but that's not the case in greek because we've got agathos Uh Or or aga, I don't remember what the other one was, agathos agathosune. Mm-hmm. So th- there's that, and and the word for God would be like Deus, mm-hmm. and so th- those aren't connected the way that good and yeah, or God and and goodness are, but it's still talking about the same thing because we still have in every language whatever the ultimate noun is, and we have whatever the ultimate adjective is. Mm-hmm. And so there, there has to be, even if there's not a direct, let's say, linguistic connection between those two words, it would still have to be conceptually related. Well, I mean, you can have pseudonyms that don't have the same root, right? Pseudonyms, you mean synonyms? Sorry, su- su- synonyms, yeah. Yeah, because a pseudonym is like Mark Twain. Right. We can have synonyms that, that, that don't have the same root. I am going to talk about him on my other podcast, though. What other podcast? I don't have it yet, but I will. once i get that set up for you yeah all right so reading through this real quick is this whole no one is good except god and aside or do the commandments relate to that somehow because he says good teacher what must i do to to inherit eternal life it's almost like he's saying don't call me surely (laughs) you know the commandments yeah right so it's like these are two are these two separate things yeah why do you call me good no one's good except god you know the commandments right Right. And, and I, I guess it, part of it is that 
Um, so you have the you have the, the the commandments on the one hand, which are prohibitions, but there's something in addition to th- there's something more to being like God than abstaining from all that is bad. Yeah, there's participation in all that which is good, and so Jesus was going to point out something a good thing to this fellow, mm-hmm. a good thing, a God thing that he should do that that he wasn't doing okay i guess i just feel like it reads again good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus is like all right two things why are you calling me good no one is good except god second you know the commandments and then he rattles off the commandments and the guy's like yeah i do all that stuff sure so i i I guess i'm just i'm wondering if those are maybe independent thoughts although i mean i guess i i could see where how these commandments are a manifestation of God's goodness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and of course, like my dad likes pointing this out, verse 21 says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so it's it's hard to exactly know what the fellow's attitude was. Yeah. I mean, clearly there were things he had to work on, but the goodness of Jesus really does show through in this because regardless of what the guy's attitude was, yeah. Even though this guy was a complete stranger, Jesus mm-hmm. looked at him and loved him and really did yeah. want the best for him. Yeah. Which, again, as a parent, you can relate to that, you know? Like, if, if Owen walked in here, he's like, yo, Pops, can we go get slushies? All right, first of all, don't call, don't call me Pops. Right. Yes, we can get slushies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because when I look at you, I just can't help it. Right, I don't know. All right, sorry. All right, so attributes of God complete. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I've I've got more thoughts, but I know we need to to, to move on. Aw, do we need to do part two? We probably don't need a part two. Okay, we're at an hour six minus banter. Minus banter. All right. Wait, does that mean that? Well, that's including banter. So that's an hour including six banter with banter. So okay, we so we had about twelve minutes of banter. I think we bantered twelve minutes. <laughs> Sounds about right. All right, so attribute of Christians, Romans fifteen four. Fifteen four. That's you. I'm turning to Romans. This is the worst flipping music you've ever. Oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Flip- the worst flipping music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like flipping my Bible. <laughs> I mean, flipping my Bible. Uh, Watch your language. Uh, <laughs> Remember we were talking earlier about. The congregation having grace and forgiveness. <laughs> All right, what did I say? Romans fifteen fourteen. It says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. This is Paul, the minister to the Gentiles. So again, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and com- competent to instruct one another. And this is to the Romans. Right. Okay, what's the takeaway there? It's, it's almost just like an observation. You guys seem like you're good. You have goodness in you. Are you looking up the Greek? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, for for the sake of, what would you call it? Goodness, goodness sake. <laughs> I got a reference to Ephesians 9. Okay, 15 for... Well, of course, this is coming at the end of the book, 
And in uh, 1515, it says, I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. Mm-hmm. So he's, it's like he's trying to build them back up after he's chastising them, chastised them on, on a number of things. Let's see, 15, 14. Okay, this is actually how we ended up getting on the conversation about salt in the teen class because it references Ephesians 5, 9, where it says, 9, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Uh, so this is to the Ephesians. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I think we're thinking, it's like, okay, fruit of the spirit, now we have fruit of the light, and we started talking about light, and I'm like, well, you know what it says about, like, salt and light, and, and that's when I got the blank stares. I'm like, you haven't heard about the salt before? And the, oh, the light? Because I, I, I was, literally, I said to them, is like, you are the hmm of the it's like hmm. You, you mean a, you mean a salt lamp? I was like, you're the blank of the blank, and if the blank loses its blankiness, how do you make it blanky again? And, and, they, were and like, they, they weren't tracking with you? No. I'm like, are you serious right now? <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, goodness. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Like, the fruit of the light. So, is that is that, is that similar, dissimilar to the fruit of the Spirit? I feel like it's not. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. And by the way, something else about agathos which again, that's the word that comes up here in, in Romans fifteen fourteen. 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, goodness is uh, agathosune. And so again, going back to agathos, which is um, Strong's number 18, for those of you keeping score at home, if you've got your Strong's concordance out and you're following along, you can flip to number 18 and you will see agathos. It means intrinsically good, good in nature, good whether it be seen to be so or not. So intrinsically good. Yeah. You know, there's this thought out here, out there that people are intrinsically good. False. False. Absolutely false. Now, I don't, I don't mean that, like, I don't happen to be of the persuasion that any human being is born guilty of any sin. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I absolutely reject, I scripturally reject the idea that a human being from the moment of conception is guilty of what Adam did in the garden. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see any way scripturally that that could possibly be true. But I also don't believe that we are born intrinsically good mm-hmm. because good is a positive and, and people are, are conceived and born really neither. So we had a, a guy talk at, uh, Man, I can't remember if this is an instructor in a course I went to or if this was somebody who, like, guest preached one night. Whoever it was, they took issue with people saying that anybody was born to do anything, right? Like, I was born ready. I was born to rock. I was born to whatever. And Mm -hmm. he's like, listen, nobody was born to do anything. In fact, when you're born, like, like everything is learned except for the the couple of reflexes you have when you're born. Like, your Babinski reflex, that's like if you hit somebody in the knee and they, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Which, okay. But then you also have what's called a suckling reflex and then the, uh, I forget what the grip one's called, but you know, like you, a baby will grip your hand. Sure. Right. So you have the, give me that reflex. And then you have the suckling, like num nums. (laughs) I mean, they sort of have to. Right. 
He's so so his whole thing is like so when people but so you're not born sinful, but you are born selfish. <laughs> you know, I, I I think that I wouldn't quite go that far. I just, I find it amusing. Is all I'm saying. Maybe maybe we could say we're born reflexive. We we can say we're born reflexive. And if re- reflexivity is does not, um, if that's all you have, if you don't if you don't grow in wisdom and in stature, that's all you're left with, and it it turns into it's kind of like you know if if an apple grows on a tree, it's like okay. It's an apple, but then it might like wither or, you know, it falls on the ground and it rots. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's right, m- but more of the situation. If somebody's telling you that you're born inherently good, right, which, okay, we need to define what good is. Right. And um, yeah. And what we're saying is, well, really all the things that you're born with are reflexes mm-hmm. that, that really are self-serving. Not that like uh, looking out for your own self-interest isn't a bad thing. Like we need you to look out for your own self-interest to, to get back to my, my, my whole talk on work. Right. But, but nobody can have a sense of what actual legitimate self-interest is outside of a moral framework. Can't you like if you're hungry, you're, you're saying like a legitimate self-interest. Well, yeah. So, 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 because okay, so, um, because self-interest that isn't informed by some sense of morality won't actually produce anything that benefits the self. I think I'm gonna have to sell you on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I think if I'm thirsty, I'm gonna go ahead and be selfish and drink some water, but I'm probably not gonna like drink so much water that it's like. Oh, okay, like like I'm I, water intoxicated, right? I, like I, I guess what I mean is that a person could do something in the name of self-interest that, in fact, is not in self-interest. Well, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you there. I mean, honestly, like I'm trying to agree with you. If somebody says, <laughs> if somebody says we're born inherently good, what I'm saying is false. We're not. The I only agree. thing we're born with is reflexes yes. that are inherently self-serving. Again taking care of oneself isn't entirely bad because as I've said before in my talks on work, like we're not to be dependent on other people. So you have to pull your own weight. Yeah. That's important. But if you say that people are inherently good, no, I think if you took a baby and I don't know, put them in a bubble and left them their left them to their own devices. But wasn't that done once? Probably. I, I think that's been done more than once. I, man, like I, I heard something about that that recently. I think some sort of psychologist or sociologist or something crazy dude who maybe did something like that. There have been studies about isolated this. a child, right? Yeah, right. And it's it's abs it's 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 terrible. Yeah. It's so bad. I was going somewhere with that. Yeah, goodness, we're not intrinsically good. Um, we're, oh, yeah. So. The only thing that is intrinsically good actually is God. Yes. <laughs> and so if we want to be good, we have to learn it from him. That's how we started this off. <laughs> okay, well, it's good to remind ourselves. Right. It was for us. Yeah, in the midst of all the me- meandering <laughs> stuff. Well, good news is because Romans references Ephesians 5, 9, and that was actually the next verse that they referenced. So... What I want to read that again it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are in the light. 
of uh, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And you might be thinking, well, what is the context of all this? If you flip back to the beginning of verse 5, he says, I'm just going to skip down to it. It says, but among you there have... Uh, but, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality of, or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking and so I think this is another example of we can look at the definition and we can discuss what that means but we can also look at the antonym sure. if you will to get a, an appreciation for what's being said here so earlier on it says uh, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient therefore do not be partner with them for you were once dark for you were once darkness but now you are light so it would seem that uh, if we can't necessarily like put a finger on the things that are God we can certainly put our finger on the things that are not God Mm -hmm. Or at least, if nothing else, we can put our finger on this verse because it lists a bunch of them. Sexual immorality, obscenity, impurity, greed. Yeah. And so it seems that to be good is to be not those things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so since we have this this light and dark thing, um, because I've been listening to uh, a lot on Hegelianism, Marxism, neo-Marxism, postmodernism, and all that, and since it's so pressing in our culture right now uh so you, you you've probably heard folks like that talk about the dialectic which yeah. which is completely different than the dialectic in the trivium method in the trivium it's not the same thing and yeah. we shouldn't be surprised if hegelians slash marxist slash neo-marxist end up taking an otherwise decent word and giving it a completely definite completely different definition because that that's one of the things that they do. That's their MO. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. W- w- linguistic theft. Certainly. Okay, so in the in the in the Marx or the Hegelian dialectic, uh it conceptualizes three things. Thesis, an- antithesis or antithesis, mm-hmm. and then synthesis. Yeah. I did so, catch that part, yeah. Right. And that's that's you might think that um because, okay, so there's light and dark. You have thesis and antithesis. Mm-hmm. And so then you would end up with, so there would be this struggle between light and dark, and then there, there would be some sort of synthesis that comes out of that. Yeah. That would be the Hegelian conception. Mm-hmm. But that's not it at all. Yeah. Because light triumphs over darkness. Like light doesn't get, like there's not this, this new thing produced that's neither light nor darkness. Yeah. It's light. Mm-hmm. Light wins. And I think that one of the ways that shows up in Revelation is that there's, uh, and of course this, this is, I don't know how how literally I want to take this, which I, I do take Revelation literally. I just mean when it says uh, that there's, in the New Jerusalem, that there's no night mm-hmm. and there there's no need of the sun for the Lord gives the light. Yeah. I think that one of the things that we can understand from that is that it's not like there's this battle between light and darkness and then there's this new thing that comes about afterwards right that supersedes it and then there and then that that new that that synthesis of light and dark becomes a thesis that will then generate this this new antithesis 
and then there will be a, a another synthesis after that and so forth and so on and this mm. like dialectic yeah um uh progression right of, of history which is is which is their whole faith mm-hmm. no it's it's light light wins right well I, I guess i feel like some of that's intuitive because where darkness is merely a, an absence of light light is not an absence of darkness because light is a product of energy which means like it requires work to produce yeah it's it's a positive right like it's an actual presence it's a it's a thing exactly. it's, a, it's a real thing yeah whereas darkness isn't and this is great i was telling miss jackie today like i i I, tack, I took on salt today i think i'll take on light next time i preach man because like this and the stuff we talked about before where you know, life exists on both a visible and an invisible spectrum and like mm-hmm. what some of that could kind of mean if we were to think about it. Yeah. So, okay. Last verse, second Thessalonians, I forget what it was. Second Thessalonians one eleven. Last attribute of Christians. Second Thessalonians one eleven. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, mine is, mine is worded differently. Mine says, okay. may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. And sure. What does yours say? By his power, he may fulfill. So we have fulfill, and you have bring, fr- fruition. Bring, bring to fruition. fruition. Okay. Your every yeah. desire for goodness. Right. Every good purpose of yours. Okay. Okay. So desire. What, what, sorry. Let me think about that again. For your desire for goodness or your good purpose. So, I mean, is I guess maybe the superficial easy takeaway there is. God is good, which, is that a thing that they do at a lot of churches? We had a certain... God is good. He's good all the time. It's like a... It's all like the time. A, all the time, God is good. It's like a the Diet Coke of liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder if there's like like the, uh, you know, Church of Christ Preachers Monthly that goes out, and they're like, hey, here's something cool to open your sermon with, and like they're doing it in congregations across the state, the country, just assuming yeah. that we don't travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of us don't. Right. So, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. So, if God is goodness, God is good, and we we want to be like God, then like we should, we're striving to be good, right? I mean, that's kind of like the Sunday school answer there. Yeah, th- there's a lot more to it here. Of course, this is this is a whole lot more. Okay, so um, sometimes I think it helps to bring in or to try to conceptualize some sort of um what would be superlative there, there we go mm-hmm. conceptualize superlatives that's why for example last week which i don't think you've you've heard my my sermon yet uh-uh. um but when you get around to it one of the things that i did is i call it trotting out hitler mm-hmm. where uh so it's I, I was asserting that like you just you drag him out in front of the crowd conceptually okay speaking look at this here's hitler look at this stupid little right mustache. because we all know that he's one of history's you know most egregious bad guys right 
So I, I was saying that, so I was walking people through um, just some moral theory, I guess, some, some really like layman's type mm-hmm. moral theory. And so I said, if something is bad advice, if it, if it would be bad advice to say it to Hitler, I mean, like if something sounds good, try saying that to Hitler. And if it, would be, if it wouldn't be good advice to give to Hitler, it's probably bad advice. Like, follow your heart. <laughs> right. That sounds all warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Like, man, yeah, you know what? I'm just not really as happy as I could be because I'm not following my heart enough. Yeah. You know, that that, that sounds like, you go, girl. You just do you. Just follow your heart, man. Like You know what the problem is? The problem is the Jews. Well, that's just like your truth, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and so, you know, Hitler is like, man, so I'm really... You know, he's in the support group. Right. You know, with, with the other historic despots. Uh, yes. Hello. My name is Adolf, and uh, I have problems. Hello, Adolf. I have the problem, and I'm, I need a solution for, for the problem. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. That sounds like you have a lot of troubles in your life. It's a huge problem. I need a solution. One that will... Be the final one for the problem. What do you What do you think the solution is, Adolf? That's the problem. I have the problem, and then I have the more problem. <laughs> That's a terrible German accent. I'm. Yeah. I, I can't do national accents at all. Anyway, so if it's bad advice to give to Hitler, it's bad advice. The so, <laughs> so anyway, so that's thinking like kind of superlatively, right? Like. If, if we're trying to figure out if this is good advice, let's think about like how, how would we, how should we interact with a really, really superlatively horrible person? Right. Okay. But for this, let's think on the other side, like superlatively good. Let's think about Jesus. Yeah. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Okay, so has Jesus so far accomplished every good purpose that he has? No. Like, yeah, he hasn't done all of the good stuff that he wants to do yet. Right. I'm not saying that he's not doing good stuff. Yeah. He is doing good stuff. He's preparing a place for us. He's interceding for us. And I don't know what else, but he's doing good things. And there, But there's more good things coming and the father is going to give him that opportunity. Yeah. So that, that's what this is like. We too, and I'm, I'm not putting our, I'm not saying that, 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 that we are obviously like as high as, as, as that or, or on the same level as Jesus. Mm-hmm. But something that we have in common is that there, there are good things like God things that, that you want to accomplish that have not yet been brought to fulfillment. Right. They've not yet come to fruition. And so that's the prayer that God really will bring those things about that we really do want to want to accomplish. Yeah. Not for any sort of selfish reason, but because it's probably God's idea to begin with. Well, and to your point, uh, every desire for goodness and, and your every deed prompted by faith. I mean, this kind of goes back to the whole... Uh, if you ask God for it, he'll give you, give it to you. And like the kid's like, well, I prayed for a fishing pole and I didn't get one. Right. So it's kind of the idea of like, uh, man, like this, this is probably obvious, but then the thing, the things that you're asking for need to be prompted in in the the wording here, prompted by faith, right? Like they need to be godly things. Right. Yeah. 
And so there, there's coming a time when those things will be brought to fruition. But don't be surprised. I mean, like, like how in the world could all of my godly desires be fulfilled before Jesus's are? Right. Like, like he's first. Yeah. He gets to go first. Yeah. He's before all things. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I don't know. I, I, I think that it's, it's important. I don't know. I think it's, it's, that cuts through a whole lot of frustration that people can have. Like we just have to think of some concrete examples to work through expectations. Mm-hmm. Like thinking about Jesus. Right. And you can't really go wrong thinking about Jesus more and trying to think about Jesus specifically. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think it's an extremely profound point, this idea of, you know, when you get frustrated that maybe uh, you're not, you feel as though all the things that, <clears throat> again, to your point, all the things that you desire, all the godly things you desire have not come to fruition. Yeah. Like, get in line. Jesus is Jesus is in the same boat. Yes. Doesn't mean it won't happen. And so that are, that increases our fellowship with Jesus. Right. Because if we can recognize that he's waiting well, then at least I'm not waiting alone. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's oh. good. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> okay. Good. Final thoughts? Anything else? Good, good. All right. That was a good podcast. Tova Tov. Would you take us out in a good prayer? Goodly. Lord, thank you that we got to uh, spend this time together reading your word and thinking and and talking. And I I do pray, uh, just like Paul did, Lord, that that you would would count us worthy of your calling and that by the power of Jesus, uh, that you would fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by faith so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in us and you and him according to the grace that you have for us and Jesus. In his name, amen. Amen.